Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. This, in fact, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is the Lord among us or not? Y'all talk about holding up a mirror. Think of the last time you were in the wilderness. For all I know, it was yesterday or last week. Perhaps it was when you had that conversation at work or things didn't pan out the way you thought. Perhaps the wilderness is a wilderness of grief or depression or chronic anxiety or addiction. What did you do when you experienced adversity? Weakened by the road, I suspect that you may have responded just as God's people did here. It's a fascinating coincidence that seems to happen when we find ourselves in a tough spot, at least it is for me. We tend to forget all the ways that God got us through the wilderness before. A collective memory of what God has done for us in the past evaporates like water in a Sinai desert. And when it happens, what's the first thing that we do? We, we've got to blame someone or something. Typically, it's those who are closest to us. They get our wrath. Sometimes it's those in authority. We complain. We grumble. We pick up rocks and get ready to hurl them. Anything we think. We'll blame anyone to make us feel better. Anything. And the name of the place where all this happened for the people of Israel, Massah and Meribah, that's where we hit pay dirt because that means something. It literally means, is the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord with us or not? See, I think the better question is not, is the Lord with us or not? It is, is the, wor- is the Lord with us still? Is God still with us? I think that's the question that I wrestle with. I think we can all acknowledge as people of God that God has been with us at some point in our lives. Perhaps it was down here. As people come by to look into the casket and to offer their condolences to you. Perhaps you knew that God was with you in the waters of baptism, or out on the steps in a conversation. I believe as people of God, we can see how God was with us in the past. The thing is, the rules always seem to change for the current moment that we find ourselves in, whatever crisis or wilderness that it is. We find ourselves in a tough place, And we cannot help but to think, have we been abandoned? Is God with us still, we wonder? Does God have no more tricks up his sleeve for us? Is our past history with God all there is? 
We tend to have a very poor memory of how God has saved us in our past. When uncertainty presents itself, we trust in our own judgment, which almost universally results in despair. Keep in mind in this story, this story comes on the heels of God's unprecedented intervention. And yet they seem to have learned nothing. No wonder God finds them loathsome. This story tells us the truth that the wilderness is hard, that people are fragile, and yet God still provides. Again and again and again, God provides. God comes through. God shows up and does God's stuff. God acts in ways that the people would never have been able to forecast and imagine. Plagues to get their oppressors' attention. A way through the waves when no one can swim. Sweet water from a log. Quail and manna, water from a rock. God delights in making something out of nothing. God loves to surprise us with creation. And even better, God seems to have a playful spirit and attitude about it. Remember Nicodemus last week in the story about how Jesus told him that he had to be born again. He had to be born of, of both water and spirit and how he couldn't get it. The frustration that Jesus had with Nicodemus, that Jesus has with us, that God has with his people is they have no faithful imagination. They have no capacity to be creative and to imagine that they are something, a part of something much grander and unique and clever than they could have ever imagined. We need to develop the capacity to be curious and to, to see where God is at work and then join him there. God has a defiant, unconventional, even playful spirit about him. It reminds me of the story of Albert Einstein, who, of course, was one of humanity's greatest minds and thinkers. Early in the 20th century, he was on a tour of colleges and universities, sharing with them about his theory of relativity. Einstein couldn't drive and required a chauffeur everywhere he went. On one of the last legs of their journey, his chauffeur spoke up to him and said, you know what? I've heard this lecture so many times, I could give it myself. Einstein perked up and he said, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's have some fun. This next stop, they've never seen me before. They don't know what I look like. When we get there, I'll put on your chauffeur clothes. You put on my clothes. You go up. You introduce yourself as Einstein, and you give my lecture. Sure enough, that's exactly what they did. He gets up, introduces himself as Dr. Albert Einstein. He provides the lecture with extraordinary mathematical theorems and, and confounding to most that are there, but he gets it right at the very end. An individual in the crowd raises his hand. He stands up. He's the 
one of the professors there at the university, he asks a complicated, impossible question. There's a beat of silence, and the chauffeur leans forward on the podium and says, Why, sir, that is the most ridiculously simple question I have ever heard. I mean, I'm surprised that you would even have the courage to get up and ask it in front of all of your peers. I mean, anybody can answer it. In fact, I'm going to ask my chauffeur to come up here and answer it for you. God always finds a way, and he does so in a way befitting the master of all creation. God's creativity, God's good humor and capacity to astound us is on full display in scripture, in this story, and in your lives. A shepherd boy who becomes the king of Israel, a man of God, who survives a night in a lion's den and his buddies stay cool in a fiery furnace? A prophet rescued by a whale. A God who comes down among us and gets his hands dirty. A boy's pitiful lunch that in turn feeds the masses. Love and redemption becomes a reality through death. A religious terrorist who will become one of God's greatest missionaries. Are you kidding me? You cannot make this stuff up. Our God's capacity to surprise and to work with anything is breathtaking and deserving of our awe. God loves to come through when we give up. God showers us with grace, and we so frequently miss it and then complain about it. The greater the odds, the steeper the climb, the more God is up to the challenge. It's why we watch March Madness, y'all. Nobody enjoys a game where it's decided in the first five minutes. Everybody loves it when one team has a chance to win it at the end, where they have one more play. <coughs> God makes it worthwhile to watch life until the very end. Here's the best news of all. We are worthy of God's good and creative work because he loves us and because we are his people. But we frequently don't think so. We don't buy it. We don't believe that that love and power and creativity can extend to us. Even though you may feel lost, hungry, thirsty in the wilderness that you find yourself in, it's not as dark as you think. God always has one more move to save us. Always. Back in the 19th century at the Louvre in Paris, there once was a painting by Friedrich Moritz August Retsch. 
Although it's now in a private collection, it used to attract quite a following. It's a strange picture. The artist had painted a table in the center of the picture, and on it was a chessboard. It's mid-game. Maybe it's late. And on one side of the chess table, playing in black, of course, is Satan. And on the other side, his opponent, a mere human. The human looks very sad. Satan, however, clearly has the upper hand. Is a grin, a knowing grin. He has won the game. What's at stake? Only the mortal's soul. The title of the painting is Checkmate. Ah, yes, checkmate. It's what the opponent says to the one that they have just beaten because the king has no other move that will keep them in the game. Checkmate. As the story goes, however, a grandmaster of chess was one day regarding this piece of art in the Louvre in Paris. He was looking at it closely, particularly the pieces on the chessboard. Lean in, he'd back up, he'd look. And then beginning low, People nearby heard him say, no, 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 no. It's wrong. It's not checkmate. He still has one more move. And he was right. The artist had it wrong. We had it wrong. The chess pieces showed that he had one more move. And upon closer examination, it wasn't just one more move. It was the winning move. With God, no matter the circumstances, no matter how dark, no matter how dire, God always has one more move. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for putting up with our complaints and our quarreling. The wilderness is hard, and we feel beat up, disappointed, discouraged, and unable to see any horizon of light. Give us, God, a rich memory for what you have done in our past, and give us, God, the gift of a creative imagination to see what you're doing in real time. Help us to find not only comfort in that truth, but also a sense of joy that you love us so much that you will never stop working to provide for us. Allow the truth of this, God, that you always have one more move to inform the fact that we too always have one more move. It's with a grateful heart, God, 
that we pray all these things. Amen.